We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for February 1st, 2015. And uh, continuing on with this thing with Maitreya, because we've kind of started down this road. This is from the Kenya Times, uh, Kenya, June 22nd, 1988. Okay, Nairobi, Kenya. And this is something that's been very well documented. This is not something that's a rumor. This is not something that you could say, oh, it never happened. No, there's multiple pictures of the event. I posted some of them here. Uh, This is something that absolutely 100% happened and was reported really all over the world. It was reported by CNN, um, by a lot of different religious organizations, and so I just want you to understand that as a, as a backdrop to everything. About 6,000 worshipers at a Muslim village in Kawangawe, Nairobi, Kenya, believe they saw Jesus Christ in broad daylight last week. Okay, remember, this is June 22nd, 1988, or this is when, this is when it was written, the, the paper. Uh, The scene was at the Church of Bethlehem. Now, what better place for supposedly a counterfeit knockoff Jesus Christ to show up but the Church of Bethlehem, okay, where Jesus Christ was, was, I mean, obviously it's in Nairobi, Kenya, it's not the real Bethlehem, but it was named the Church of Bethlehem. Okay, the birthplace of Jesus Christ. So, okay, this is where Mary Seneda Acostia conducts miracle prayers, praying for the sick, the blind, the crippled, mad people, and the bear. Now, I watched the interview. I watched a little documentary on her today. Um, I don't know if she's still living, but here's a picture of her and Maitreya. This is the this is the only time he's ever actually made this was ever actually photographed in public. Um, and it shows him and her walking through like you know a gigantic crowd of people, and this lady is like basically the pastor for her for this church of Bethlehem and she conducts all these miracle prayers and she's evidently the pastor and and uh she's uh she she has all of her followers wear these blue and white um either full body gowns or some of them were just wearing hats that I saw in the video to identify them as the true Christian believers and um you know so anyway I it, it, in other words, this this supposed church, whatever it is, is highly, highly, highly suspect. Okay, and number one, um, for her to be the pastor of her own church is totally unbiblical. The Bible says the pastor or the bishop or the overseer or the or the elder or the um, deacons must be the husband of one wife. Okay, here's here's a lady. Uh, apparently, she seems unmarried. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, there was no talk of a, of a husband. But she was leaving this own church. And literally, wherever she went, everybody thronged around her. Okay? She's like an absolute total celebrity in um, this part of Kenya in particular. So, what better place to show up when you've already got people thronging around you than you have supposedly Jesus Christ showing up out of nowhere, out of thin air. So, um, you'll see that in a second. Worshippers were singing the popular Swahili hymn when Mary Acosta interjected. She announced that God had spoken to her and told her to wait a miracle because a very important guest would be coming to give a very vital message. Now, we know she's hearing directly from Satan. 
okay? Because Maitreya shows up, and Maitreya is absolutely 100% antichrist, meaning against Christ. So, I always get real skeptical when I constantly hear people saying, God told me, God, and then all of a sudden, you hear what God is supposedly telling them doesn't even remotely line up with the Bible. Well, you know something? God didn't speak to you that, because my God doesn't go around lying to whoever he's trying to speak to. He's not there to play head games with you, okay, or or lead you on and deceive you. No, you're hearing from a false spirit. You're hearing from the devil or a devil, okay? So we know she she wasn't hearing from God. So by what power is she actually doing these miracles then if she's actually really healing people? Well, I mean, how is the Antichrist going to come? And the false prophets, signs, line, wonders, miracles. You know how many people have fallen hook, line, and sinker just on the Catholicism thing alone when they go and they go to the, oh, I saw the Lady of Medjugorje and I got healed or whatever. Okay, do you think that Satan can't perform miracles? If there's a demon or a devil on somebody causing a sickness and you go and you'll pledge yourself to this idol... You'll bow down and worship it. You'll devote your life to it. As long as you get healed, you think Satan won't like call a demon off that's maybe causing a particular malady so it looks like they got healed? He'd do that all day long to make sure you, you're going to be devoted to that and to make sure you go into hell and take other people with you. He'll do it all day long. So just Pete, we got to be really, really discerning and very, and, and that's why this is an important subject to cover. Not so much to convince you that Maitreya is the Antichrist, but there's a lot of other truth that we can garner here. Here's a woman who's leading her own church, the Church of Bethlehem, that has supposedly a Christian congregation, and she announced to her that God had spoken to her and told her to await a miracle, because a very important guest would be coming to give her a very vital message. Now, we know that's Satan talking to her. This is how deluded and deceived this woman that is leading this these thousands of people that are following her blindly. And if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a ditch, the Bible says. So I said, be very, very careful who you follow. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Guaranteed, all of these people are following this woman to their own demise. They're being led astray. So, Five minutes later, she asked those who were singing to stop as the messenger had arrived. And then the cry went up, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, went the loud whispers from the crowd as they raised up their hands in divine welcome. The tall figure of a barefooted, white-robed and bearded man, white-robed and bearded man, appeared from nowhere and stood in the middle of the crowd. Now there's pictures of the dude. When he appeared, multiple pictures, this happened. He was walking slowly towards a new church building away from the tent. Mary walked with him side by side. Here's a picture I I put in the PDF right there. I stared at the stranger without blinking. Strange sporadic light wafted on top of his turbaned head, his feet, and his entire body. It kind of puts you in mind of a, almost like um, Islamic garb, kind of like a almost a little bit dated, like something you might see somebody wear in the Middle East like, I don't know, a couple hundred years ago. And so, in clear Swahili, which had no traces of an accent, the strange man announced, 
that the people of Kenya were blessed, especially those who had gathered at the venue that afternoon. We are nearing, he, he said then, quote, we are nearing the time for the reign of heaven. But before, before that, I shall come back and bring a bucket full of blessings for you. So, you know, you got to just tickle their ears in every way possible. That's what Satan does, the man said. It took the crowd nearly 20 minutes to recover after the man had left the meeting. In a car belonging to a Mr. Mr. German Singh, who offered to give him a lift. Okay, out of there. But it will probably take Mr. Singh a, um, a lifetime to recover from the shock he got two minutes later. On reaching the bus terminal, the man informed Mr. Singh, this is Matreya, informed Mr. Singh to stop the car. On getting out, he walked a few paces beside the road and simply vanished into thin air. What is that for Satan? He vanished into thin air. Now, the frightening part, now I read that right from the report, and again, I've, I've covered this I don't know how many times. This did happen. Okay, this isn't a rumor. This isn't something that you could say it never happened. No, it, it did. There were thousands of witnesses for this. Okay, so the frightening part is that prior to the visit of Obama and Matreya, German evangelist, man, we're going to get to Obama in a second, German evangelist and third world missionary, Reinhard Bunke, had predicted that Jesus would appear in Nairobi on Saturday, June 11th, 1988. That's when this happened. Reinhard Bunke, one of the biggest supposed Christian evangelists in Africa. I used to be on the guy's mailing list. I would get these postcards and it would show these stadiums in Africa where it looked like 2 million people. I mean, bigger than anything I'd ever seen in America. Okay? This Reinhard Bunke guy. Guess what? He had predicted that Jesus would appear in Nairobi, Kenya on Saturday, June 11th, 1988. And that's the exact day he showed up. You better be real careful who you're following. You follow the word of God. You read the King James Bible. Okay? Don't follow me. Don't follow any man. I'm not saying there can't be a godly person or pastor or something like that in your life. Just don't put your... You better not put your trust in him. Because man can fail you. You put your trust in the word of God. In the Lord Jesus Christ. In Father God. Because, I mean, these guys are as slick as they come. You know? And and we've really seen nothing yet. This is just a little prelude of the signs and line wonders and miracles that are coming. And this was back in 1988. There was also a prediction made by evangelist Benny Hinn that Jesus would also appear in Kenya and administer amongst his followers. This again shows the predictive program. So Benny Hinn predicted it. He didn't give a specific date, but he predicted it. He predicted Kenya. And he said Jesus would show up there. Reinhard Bunke said the exact date, and it happened. Makes him, I mean, makes him look like a, a prophet, but then you start to look at Maitreya, and it's like, whoa, this guy's a total devil from the pit of hell. He's the one the UN is tapping to basically look like he's going to be the Antichrist. <laughs> wow. What does that say about them? It was declared on the Christian network TBN that a Christ-like figure had been appearing in Muslim nations as a tall bearded man in white robes performing miracles. He also performed miracles when he was there. He healed some people. Matreya did. Here's a picture of um, 
I don't know who she is. The one of the blonde ladies that was on TBN. I think it was the one married to Paul Crouch or whatever. Or, I don't know, maybe it was before that. I, I don't know. Tammy Faye or whatever. Anyway, she's holding up a, a, a picture. She's holding up a paper on TBN. And it says, Miracles Claimed at Nairobi Crusade. She's, she's advertising this. This was reported on CNN. Okay, so the, if you've never heard this before and, and you want to dismiss it, please understand, this was like worldwide. In certain circles, this was reported on. And the pictures are there. And the eyewitnesses were there. In 2008, there was an article written by Mark Morford in the San Francisco Chronicle called, Is Obama an Enlightened Being? Now, we're going to start moving into Obama now. And it compared Obama to JFK and MLK, meaning John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King, and brings up the appearance of Jesus Christ in Kenya. Basically putting both Obama and Maitreya in Kenya at the same time. The Chronicle asks, is Obama the enlightened one? Now, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. But that's what this San Francisco Chronicle asked. Did you know Obama was there the exact same time Maitreya showed up? He was in Nairobi, Kenya at the exact same time. I got this email a long time ago. November 3rd, 2008, 3.55 p.m. from a listener. Went by Captain. And it said, he said, Maitreya first appeared in Nairobi, Kenya in June of 1988, which is what we just covered. Obama said it himself. In his memoir, Mr. Obama describes the joy of meeting his father's family during his first visit to Kenya in June of 1988. That's when Maitreya made this appearance. Obama... And the Messiah. Now, this is the one thing I can't verify. I'm going to read it. He sent it, but I have never been able to verify this. And I think if this is true, Obama would have done everything in the world to erase this connection off the internet. But it is said in this letter that was written to me, Obama and the Messiah, and I found this in other spots on the internet, okay? Obama and the Messiah, just before he vanished, were yards away from each other in 1988. If that means that Obama was near the bus terminal where he was dropped off, I don't know. I don't know. But there's implications that Obama may have been at this meeting where Maitreya showed up. We know he was in Nairobi, Kenya at the exact same time. That, that can't be debated. He's admitted to it in his own memoirs, in his own timelines, okay? And then he goes on to say, <clears throat> and now one of those two is running for president, and it seems he was present at the only photographed appearance ever of Maitreya, meaning Obama may have been there. What an unbelievably strange coincidence. It was shortly after his visit that his public life really started to take off. Now, here's something else I want you to understand. I didn't really, I had a file on this, but I, I, I went in there and I really like fine-tuned it and tweaked it and updated it. It was shortly after his visit to Nairobi, Kenya, at the same time Atreya was there, that his public life started to take off. 
Shortly after his visit, he joined the Harvard Law Review. He actually became president of it and signed a book deal for Dreams of My Father, all of which shaped his life and role to come. More on this below. We're going to get into this timeline and see that if it was if it was a coincidence that this all happened. Here's another message I received from Alex, a listener, on January 20th, 2009. And he said, hey, Brother Scott, I wanted to email you tonight because I stumbled across something today that blew me away. I really don't know what to make of it. But to be honest, you'll have to take a look at this. If you're familiar with Share International, you'll know the claim that Maitreya appeared on June 11th, 1988, in Nairobi, Kenya. Remember, that's the exact same date. Reinhard Bunke, the biggest evangelist in Africa at the time, said that Jesus was going to show up. Okay? Same exact day that Maitreya shows up out of nowhere in Nairobi, Kenya, at the Church of Bethlehem, a place that's known for a false preacher woman that's there doing supposed miracles. He shows up there and does his own miracles and then vanishes into thin air. Same exact day. Thousands of witnesses predicted. False prophecies it it, it doesn't you can have somebody that gives an accurate prophecy but it points to a devilish conclusion. Now in the Old Testament there was two criteria for a false prophet. One, if he made prophecies that didn't come to pass, and that was a death sentence, Deuteronomy 18. And then if you go, I don't know, two or three chapters forward from that, is a prophet that makes an accurate prediction, but it leads you away from the word of God. Well, that's what Bonke just did. Reinhard Bonke did when he said that Maitreya was going to show, or Jesus Christ was going to show up in Nairobi, Kenya on June 11, 1988. And exactly what happened. So that proves he's a false prophet. Another another death sentence in the Old Testament. That was a death sentence. Okay, so this is really kind of a big deal, you know, when I'm kind of going over here. It's been quite a while since I've actually went over this information. I've never went over it in this much depth, though, this particular exact subject. Because I, I just feel like this could be really important. And, and it's good, there's some good um, examples in here. Some good snares of the devil to... to, to kind of tuck away in your brain to, to if you see it in the future to know not you know not to get snared up in this stuff. So um anyway, starting back on Alex's email to me from January 20th, 2009, if you're familiar with Share International, you'll know the claim that Matrea appeared on June 11th, 1988 in Nairobi, Kenya. Now take a look at this quote from Barack Obama's Wikipedia page. It says, quote, in the mid-1988, he traveled for the first time to Europe for three weeks and then for five weeks in Kenya. He was in Nairobi, Kenya for five weeks, okay, where he met many of his paternal relatives for the first time. So it's not like he was like always there hanging out in Nairobi, Kenya. This is the first time he had met many of his paternal relatives. Okay? So that the, the, the sheer the, the sheer odds of Matreya showing up in this very, very small sliver of his life, this five week period that he was there, that also the odds of that are also a lot less. I mean, if he lived there, it'd be one thing, but he didn't, okay? In his memoir, Mr. Obama describes the joy of meeting his father's family during his first visit to Kenya in 1988. Aunt Zatuni, then a computer programmer at the Kenya Breweries in Nairobi, is portrayed as a feisty woman who proclaims herself to be a champion dancer. Anyway, I just want to throw that in to give you more confirmation there. Now, let's look at a, at a timeline of Barack Obama's life. 
okay? Now, I'm only going to give you from 1988 on, but let me let me summarize something. If you if you click on the link for this timeline that I provide you, you will see that prior to 1988, nothing was happening in his life. The only thing that he had done up to that point was to be a community organizer in, I believe, Chicago. That's all he had ever done, a community organizer. That was it. He didn't hold any political offices. He didn't have any high titles. He didn't have any book deals. He didn't work. He didn't go to Harvard. None of that. But it's kind of funny that he goes to Nairobi, Kenya in June of 1988, the same time Atreus shows up, and then there's actual partial amounts of evidence saying that he might have actually been there. Who's to say he didn't have a private audience with Matreya on the side? I mean, if this dude could appear out of thin air... And he knew that this guy was going to be the, the quote, anointed one, uh, Obama. Who's to say he didn't have a private audience with him? Fact is, is they were there at the same time. Fact is, Reinhard Bunke said that Jesus was going to show up on June 11, 1988. And guess who shows up? Matreya out of thin air. And goes there and does miracles at the Church of Bethlehem. And everybody's calling him Jesus. And then he vanishes into thin air. And Obama's there at the same time. I don't know. But you know what's funny? 1988, I'm reading right off this timeline, off his official, Obama's official timeline. 1988, Barack Obama is now 26 years old. Before beginning his law studies, he decides to visit Kenya. He arrives in the village of Alego, situated on Lake Victoria, his father's hometown. He arrives there because he knows very little of his father. He wants to know who his father was so he can understand his own identity. In Alego, Barack Obama meets his late family's father for the first time. He meets his grandmother and half-siblings, cousins, nieces, and nephews. This is what I already described. I'm just giving you another. So you understand that this actually really did happen. Okay? Um... Then, what's the next thing that happens? This is after Nairobi, Kenya. Okay, Now remember, up until this point in his life, the only thing that he had ever done was to be a community organizer. Let's look at what happens after he leaves Nairobi, Kenya. He's 26 years old. Nothing's happened in his life up to this point but being a community organizer. Now, what's the next thing that happens after Nairobi? Barack Obama begins his study at Harvard Law School. So all of a sudden, he starts attending the most prestigious law school, one of the most prestigious law schools on the planet, okay? At the end of his first year, a top law firm hires Obama as a summer intern in Chicago. Huh, he's only been in there one year, and he gets hired by a top law firm. Huh, wow, what what are the odds of that? There, Barack Obama meets young lawyer Michael, I mean, sorry, Michelle Robinson, and the two start dating. So he meets the love of his life. Him and Michael, hand in hand. So he gets his dream man. I mean girl, sorry. Sorry, if, if you wonder what I'm talking about, just go up on the internet. It's all over the internet about Michael's, Michelle's probably Michael. Anyway, what's the next thing that happens? At the end of the second year, Barack Obama applies for the president of the Harvard Law Review. Okay? February 5th, 1990, Barack Obama becomes the first African-American president of the Harvard Law Review. Now, this dude was a total stoner in high school. He was a, every interview I've seen of this guy said that everybody that knew him in Hawaii that went to high school with him, he was a scam artist. He was always trying to get out of class. He was an avowed flaming homosexual that would dress up in drag and and was constantly getting high, liked to have 
uh, promiscuous sex with white older men that would pay him to do this. This guy was a stinking reprobate of the highest order, okay? How on God's green earth did all of a sudden he go from Mr. Stoner, sodomite boy, that didn't take anything, that scammed everybody out of everything... I've got a whole file on this. I've heard, I mean, there's whole interviews of people that knew him in high school. I can't believe they're not dead that I've heard. And then all of a sudden, now he's the president of the Harvard Law Review after being in there for two years. The first African-American president. And he gets hired by a the top law firm in Chicago at the end of his first year. This all happened after Nairobi, Kenya. What's the next thing that happens? 1991, Barack Obama graduates from Harvard with a Juris Doctorate, magna cum laude. I don't believe any of this. He was a terrible student. And now he's graduating magna cum laude or Juris Doctorate from Harvard Law School? Come on. Barack Obama signs with a publisher and begins to write an autobiography titled Dreams of My Father. In his book, Barack Obama discloses his past and personal struggles. 1992, Barack Obama begins working at the firm of Davis Minor, Barnhill, and Gallard as a junior lawyer, hoping to work on civil rights cases. Um, October 10, 1992, Barack and Michael get married. Uh, then Barack Obama's teaching constitutional law at the University of Chicago Law School. I mean, the guy's teaching constitutional law now? I mean, he just went into Harvard in 1988. Now he's actually teaching constitutional law at the University of Chicago Law School? In four years later? 1995, Barack Obama's memoir, Dreams of My Father, is published. He's got, he gets this sweet book deal. 1996, Barack Obama runs for Illinois State Senate. He wins the Democratic nomination for the seat and is elected as the Illinois State Senate. Unbelievably unqualified, but wins it anyway. And then we know kind of the rest of the story. You know, totally the most unqualified, most pro-abortion, Um, pro-sodomite, pro-evil president we've ever had by far and becomes the president of the United States. And as far as I can see with my own eyeballs, looking at this timeline, the dividing, the, the, the absolute turning point of his life was after Nairobi, Kenya. I'm just saying. Now, um... I've got another clip that um, I'm going to start playing here and try to get it in before our time runs out. Okay, now this is um, called Mind Control, Wires in the Brain with Deborah Tavares. Uh, a nice light title. This is on the Rents Radio Network, and she's, um, she's going to be interviewing another lady. And um, very, very, very interesting uh, study here and has some major implications. Bobby, we just uh, played uh, two clips. From- okay, so that's Deborah Tavares you're hearing, and just so you know who the voice is. William Pollock, and of course, I'm re- recommending everyone listen to the entire interview. Uh, but I would like for you to make some comments on this, and then we're going to talk about the Dave Larson report so that people understand. Uh, the enormous uh, problem that has gotten out of hand in the United States and globally. So please proceed. 
It is old news already that a human being can be completely monitored. Uh, the scientific community um, globally has been working on these in vivo uh, micro stimulators. There's in vivo means in the body. Okay, if you hear of an in vitro study, it's in like a test tube or a petri dish. In vivo means in the body. Many words to describe them, but they're foreign medical devices that they put in your body, in your brain, or in your nervous system. They always use the excuse in the research and development literature that they are studying movement disorders. And movement disorders sound like a great research project because it includes bipolar, schizophrenia, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, and more. The problem is, I don't believe, my research does not indicate, and I am not alone in my opinion, it does not indicate that that is what all this research is being used for. You have departments um, out there like DARPA, that's D-A-R-P-A, and they have partnered with a company called Medtronics. Medtronics is the global leader in prosthetics and biomedical devices. They have been. You know, I would like to add something very quickly here. Everyone can type in Rothschild and um, prosthetics. Uh, they have major corporate interests and companies. Uh, Rothschild, again, Rothschild has funded uh, much of this horrific technology that is being used for absolute control of not only all resources on the planet, but we are re are human resources. So again, continue, Bobby. I want to take a moment to um, and slow down to really help the listener understand this. Just because a scientist, a researcher, a corporation, a patent holder, or anyone says that they are going to um, put medical devices in our brain so that we don't have bipolar schizophrenia or Alzheimer's, that does not mean that that's what the technology and the research is being used for. There are many people who believe that this research is being conducted and has been conducted for 50 years now simply to enslave all of humanity. And when you read, I would like to read just one small def, short definition of one of these new devices that has been developed with the partnership between DARPA and Medtronics. It's, and on the patent it reads, this paper describes the development of a high density electronic interface to the central nervous system. Silicon micro-machined electrodes array now permit the long-term monitoring of neural activity in vivo, that means in your body, as well as the insertion of electronic signals into neural networks at, a, at the cellular level. That's all I'll read right now. So although that sounds great, you need to understand that this can be used for mind control and is being used for mind control. We are electrical beings, and the Schumann resonance, which is natural on this earth and the earth's ionosphere and all of our bodies, is 7.83. Once they put these devices in our bodies, and the dentist can put them in when he tells you he's giving you Novocaine. Did you hear what she just said? The dentist can put them in when he tells you he's giving you Novocaine? Okay, this is the part I really wanted you to hear. And it's right up there, then in your brain, right through the mouth. 
once they put these in your body and they are activated no different than the cell phone chip in your cell phone, you no longer live in the natural Schumann resonance because now radio frequency is going to your body. You're basically, at least in part, a cyborg. See, this is why when you get the mark of the beast, you won't be able to get saved. I mean, I understand there's a gigantic, I believe, demonic component that comes with the mark of the beast, but I also believe there's a technological component where you're not fully human anymore. You're not, they they can control, they can mind control you through these computer chips. You're not the one calling the shots anymore, at least not in totality. This is why this stuff is so dangerous. Now, you just mentioned about uh, dental um, uh, work. Uh, how are uh, other uh, implants done in the body? Under what other procedures? We have found a lot of women that go in for plastic surgery, and it doesn't matter whether it's breast augmentation or a nose job or your eyes, any plastic surgery. Uh, facelift. Yes, any plastic surgery, you're in grave danger now. And we have found a number of doctors who have been reported as some of the very best have been accused of these illegal implantation um, devices. And, in fact, in April of 2014, there was a six-day lawsuit in Los Angeles. The orthopedic chair at UCLA Orthopedic Surgery Department Dr. Pedowitz, that's P as in Peter, E-D-O-W-I-T-Z, sued UCLA for, um, uh, he felt that he was not being treated well after he became a whistleblower at UCLA and went to his superiors and said that orthopedic surgeons in his department were illegally implanting patients. That lawsuit settled, but there have been many lawsuits that have been thrown out of court, too many to mention. They say that victims don't have enough evidence we think it's more like the judges are um, frightened to pursue these cases or they are told to throw it out. There is one in... Uh, okay, so again, this might be something I went and I backed this up and I listened to it that little last two or three minutes and I listened to it again because what she just said was an absolute bombshell. She said you're in grave danger going in for things like um, even dental procedures potentially orthopedic procedures, facelifts, breast augmentation, these types of things, cause any type of cosmetic surgery. I don't know how or what to tell you on how to avoid this. I mean, pray, prayer, obviously. Obviously, everybody's not doing this. But now, it's like you've got wicked, evil Obamacare kicking in, and now you've got these devil doctors out there that have obviously sold themselves to Satan that are implanting these microchip implants unbeknownst to the patients. I mean, these people are absolutely 100% hell-bent and hell-bound, these doctors that are doing this. I mean, are they just Satanists? Posing as doctors? Are they just sadists? I mean, what's the benefit? Other than maybe they're part of the New World Order agenda and they want to make sure everybody gets, you know, gets their implant. I mean, this is, and, and she said there's been all these lawsuits that have been filed, too numerous to mention, and they get thrown out because you can't prove it. Because I think that a lot of times these implants, you take an x-ray and you can't see them. 
They, they probably have that technology, and the judges are afraid to prosecute it. Um, waiting for appeals right now. So these are claims. <laughs> too many claims for too many people to just be crazy. Well, that's absolutely true. But what we're really talking about here that everyone uh, needs to understand is uh, we're being moved by a uh, technology uh, that is literally a death trap for humanity. And much of the research and development that is being conducted to uh, literally uh, depict every aspect of our human identity, what it is, the sheer essence of being human, is being uh, looked at, scrutinized, and replicated. And why? Well, when you look at uh, a report I have on StopTheCrime.net at the top of the home page. The link is called Global Strategic War. Okay, now that, it kind of comes in and out. I don't know why that happens on it, but um, another thing, remember, I've mentioned this on numerous occasions. They've had injectable microchip dust available that they could put in the vaccines all the way going back to early 2000s. Hitachi's had that. And the, and, the, and the potential for microchips um, in the vaccinations, whether it be a large microchip put in the end of the needle at the end of quality control or the micro... I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't trust any of it. So it's all the more reason not to get vaccinated as well, among the umpteen other reasons. about the invasion of the human body and the theft of our minds. This is a silent weapons system, fully deployed, planning to control all of our specific thoughts, all of our emotions, and directing each and every single one of us, ultimately uh, requiring uh, control of our actions. And this is happening to unsuspecting human beings all over the planet. Now, Bobby, I would like for you to continue because this is a horrific topic. It is a reality. And I know that you have been studying this around the clock. And I'd like you to um, certainly tell the listeners more of what you have discovered. Well, there's no shortage of um, research information out there. There have been so many complaints. Many victims have made YouTubes. Um, I want to thank a Robert Newsland, and you spell his last name, N as in Nancy, A-E-S as in Sam, L-U-N-D. He has a great YouTube called Robert Newsland, The Human Brain Project. He was one of the first outspoken victims, and he explains to the world that when he went in, after he found the implants in his brain, he went to have surgery, and the CIA came into his surgical center in Sweden, and he woke up with a partial lobotomy. He is able to speak. He does do a lot of lectures, and he's worth listening to. He put his images up on the Internet, and he showed devices in his brain that look like mushrooms even though it looks like a mushroom it's not a real mushroom it's a type of biomedical device 
not that much different than what powers your cell phone that looks like a mushroom. And people all over the globe are finding these in their brain. They feel that they are injected with syringes as Mr. Powellek explained earlier in your clip. So, so I guess they could be ejected with syringes and then oh, not when you're knocked out in surgery and then they expand once they're, I don't know how that works, but with the technology they have about anything's possible. Um, and children are not off limits. They, we find these in children and people of all ages. Now, I'd like you to discuss the um, Dave Larson report because that is posted on StopTheCrime.net, again, under uh, the program uh, for today, uh, as well as Hot Radio Show Topics Week of, of January the 4th, 2015. And this is the David A. Larson report, Tracked and Tortured by Implanted microstimulators. And there are photographs in this report of the patents of these uh, devices and then photographs of these uh, implants that were then removed from uh, Mr. Larson's body. So would you discuss that report? We don't have a lot of time, but this is an exceedingly important report for everyone to get their hands on. Well, the title alone is worth noting criminal and scientific misconduct involving neural prosthesis research funded by the National Science Foundation and the Alfred Mann Foundation. So how, you know, I want to stop for a moment and say something off of this report. There's a lot of debate going on as to whether the Department of Defense is behind this or the universities in their research and development. I feel there's a lot of disinformation going on out there. Maybe they're both involved in it, but it is not just one or the other. I lean more towards the research and development of the universities. And these universities in our country get their money for researching parts of the brain, like the limbic part of the brain, from the National Science Foundation. And it needs to go back on that track to find the perpetrators and find out who's unethical. Um, The National Science Foundation is funneled the money from the Pentagon. I believe that criminal groups have gotten involved as employees with the research and development um, projects with the universities, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Getting back to the Dave Larson report, he names the National Science Foundation, he names Medtronics, and he settled out of court and signed a gag order, and that is why no one hears from him anymore. These things are either thrown out of court and they leave people penniless and continue to torture them with these devices, or they sign a gag order, or they end up dead. And we've got to wake up, and we have to understand that people today seem to do everything for money, and there is very little ethics and that is why the Bioethics Committee was formed, supposedly, to create an ethics a protocol. But nothing has been done in two years so far. Well, I think it's extremely important for all the listeners to understand how we have arrived at the place that we have, where literally we are a global Dr. Moreau's island of mass experimentation at will, uh, any time, any place, on any single one of us, because we are all, as human resources, identified as the enemy. 
And when you look at the reality of of uh, what we believe to be representation, we are not represented. These types of illegal crimes would and could not happen if we were represented by a government that was concerned about the people. We have already all globally been taken. Okay, so that's all I'm going to play on that particular clip there. Um, I'm about out of time. I, ha I can't record as long as studies on my new recorder. It's a lot better quality, but it's an MP3 format, so it's a larger file. And that's why the qual the qualities went up so much, um, because I don't have to do that conversion that I was doing before. Um, but I can't record quite as long. So um, you can take these things to the Lord in prayer, uh, what we've went over today. Um, this particular thing, <laughs> I wish I had a great answer for you about, okay, what? how do we know, like, Safe Doctor Network. I, I don't know. Uh, that's maybe Deborah Tavares would have an idea. I, I don't know. Um, StopTheCrime.net is her website, and um, it's just that's really alarming because it's like, <laughs> how do you know you're not being implanted? And I'm not saying that it, it, you know you get one of these implants and you go from being you know saved to unsaved. It's just that it's not something that if you if you can avoid. You want to try to avoid any type of of microchip implant, you know, uh, whatever you do. You know, obviously this isn't the mark of the beast we're talking about, but, you know, I, I don't know what the capabilities are. We know it's evil. If, I mean, it, it's it's very, very evil to the point where, you know, they're, nobody's able to, to win court cases with this. They're, they're being dismissed. These people, some people are being threatened. Some people are being killed. Um very, very serious subject. So um, that's all we have for today. I'm going to go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time that you've given us. I thank you for letting us come together again, Lord, to um, explore the truth, Lord. And uh, I pray that this study and the studies that we've done in the past have been a blessing to the body of Christ, um, to my listeners. And <clears throat> I do pray, God, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive, that you would guide us in all truth that we would walk prudently in this landmine of a world that we live in, Lord. Um, I do pray, God, for your divine providence, that if if any of, of the, the remnant, the body of Christ, um, and, and those, Lord, that would be saved, uh, that if they're going to go in for these procedures, Lord, and uh, unknowingly, and then get these implants, or whatever way they're trying to implant people, Lord. I just pray to God you, you that you would give them that divine foreknowledge ahead of time, that they would be able to, to cancel these surgeries or these procedures or, or whether it be a vaccine as well, Lord. I, I see no reason to ever get those anyway, but um, that you would give us the divine foreknowledge to know um, that this, these devices of Satan would be exposed that they would not be able to continue doing this to unsuspecting people. I pray all of this witchcraft, Lord, that has just um, happened regarding the Super Bowl halftime and leading up to that, and now tonight with Imbolg and the, the human sacrifices that are that are planned to be taking place. I just pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ that you you stop these things, Lord. That that you intervene in every case of these um, human sacrifices, especially Lord these witchcraft spells that you would cancel. Um, annihilate and destroy this 
witchcraft that is going up in mass across this world, Lord, and that the fear of God would be upon humanity and not the fear of the devil, but the fear of God would be upon them and that that fear would drive them toward you and that many would be saved as a result of what you would do, that what Satan intended for evil you would use for good. And um, We thank you, Lord. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.